Hey, 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 everybody. Welcome to episode 47 of the Snake in the Draft podcast. I'm your host, Jacob Vines. You can find me on Twitter at jsnake underscore dff. And this episode is going to be a solo episode this week. I'm going to be talking about week 15 Dynasty waiver wire ads, Dynasty offseason buy and sell players. And I'm also going to talk about round one Superflex hit rates. Been working on a project and just want to dig into round one on the podcast. So uh, before we get too far into the podcast, so I want to talk about some week main points. And the first one is actually one that I don't think a lot of people are in, are as educated as they should be in this. And that is Carson Wentz and Jalen Hurts and what the Eagles can do. And this is actually from an article from Over the Cap. It's an article I've shared on Twitter quite a bit recently. And the general synopsis is if the Eagles can trade Wentz before the third day of the league year, they will end up saving $25.4 million in salaries. The cap savings in general is just going to be $852,000, but still, that's a cap savings. You know, that's pretty pretty solid. And uh, then they'll save $15 million in 2022. So that is the best case scenario. Sure, they could end up releasing Wentz. Do I see them cutting Wentz ever? No. If they did, they would lose $24.5 million in 2021. So I definitely expect Wentz to be traded if the Eagles decide they want to move on. Again, they've been uncommittal related to Jalen Hurts, uh, so they could decide they want to keep Carson Wentz for a little bit longer. There's always that potential, but I think it's important to be watching this a little bit because Carson Wentz is most likely, especially Jalen Hurts keeps playing well, going to get cheaper and cheaper just a little bit, though. Not too much because a lot of dynasty managers and teams – and Superflex leagues are going to be holding on pretty snug because they're like, you know what, he'll get a job somewhere because he's getting that, he's getting paid. So, and I agree with that philosophy. That's why I want Wentz on my teams related to his current price. So, the, what I expect is him to get traded to which team? Colts have been thrown around because they have the cap room to spare, and Philip Rivers is in the last year of his deal. Uh, it could be other teams as well. Who knows, really? It just depends on what team thinks that Wentz fits well with them. And with Frank Reich, yeah, the connections they they make sense. Uh, so I do expect Carson Wentz to either stay on the Eagles or be traded. And if anything, it'll be related to some type of rookie pick. We'll just see exactly how that works. But in general, you know, they, they actually, the Eagles would end up getting some cap back. So they would end up saving, uh, 25.4 million in salaries, which ends up being 852 cap savings. So it's one of those moves that they can do. And it's not that wild to me. And I could see the Eagles getting potentially a 2021 second round pick for Wentz. Uh, some people have said a first. I think with this contract, I they'll be lucky to get a second, like a late second even. So it'll be very interesting to see what the Eagles feel like they get, should get for Wentz. Um, but yeah, that's enough talking about Wentz and Hurts. I'm not really, I don't have any dog in the fight on who's going to win out this and that. I think it all depends on the Eagles in general. And it's, it's so hard to tell with the Eagles. I will say Jalen Hurts did play or at least brought his team up more this last week. It'll be interesting to see how he does this week. Uh, still, though, if you have him on your dynasty team, I'd be pretty ecstatic to see him already play, especially with people that drafted you know, Jordan Love or, or any of those other late quarterbacks just being like, maybe. Which, in general, from me talking about hit rates, quarterbacks drafted in the third round and later don't do much. Like The, the, the one guy who's ended up doing a lot is, is like Dak Prescott, which he was like a fourth-round pick, this and that, and you didn't expect much. Uh, but yeah, that's let's let's kind of move on to Jonathan Taylor and Cam Akers. They had that breakout week, and in Dynasty, 
you know, I think for me, it just reminds us to be patient with these running backs. And that includes me. You know, it's, it's I started bumping down Cam Akers and I started bumping down Jonathan Taylor more than I should have. Because at the beginning of the season, I had Clyde edwards at 5, Jonathan Taylor at 6. And I still kept Clyde edwards at 5 because he was producing decently and uh, he was he was the main running back on that team and I still love the, the Chiefs situation. But then Jonathan Taylor was the one that started getting dropped down, down, down. Uh, right now, though, currently have Jonathan Taylor at RB12. Uh, he has potential, you know, to be up there even higher. Like, it, it, and I, I rank from a PPR thought process. That's just sort of where I'm at with him. And, you know, he has been getting the receiving. And then I've currently Zeke at RB13 and then Cam Akers RB14. Uh, it's more with the Zeke ranking is more my thought process that I would expect him to bounce back next year with Dak back and the O-line to, to be a little bit better and I was banged up. Again, that's that's me sort of making projections that I don't know if it will actually happen. Uh, also, just to get into it real quick with my, my running backs, you know, my, my rankings, I have CMC 1, Cook, Dalvin Cook 2, Saquon Barkley 3, Kamara 4, CEH 5. Uh, currently, this is where it gets a little rough for me, and this is where I think, like, if I had tears, they'd all be pretty close. But Josh Jacobs 6, Miles Sanders 7, Derrick Henry 8, Dobbins 9, Nick Chubb 10, Swift 11, and I already said Taylor 12. So that's my top 12 currently. I think the RB 5 to, like, 14 honestly maybe 13 you could switch around pretty easily with a couple of guys and just how you perceive them just because none of them production wise have really been going off the charts except for like Derrick Henry but he's a little bit older and then Nick Chubb he missed some games and he's having a good Monday night right now and he, he played a really good Monday night so uh you know it's it's tough though because of the up and downs and we've seen Swift get banged up I think if he's kept playing he'd be the one that would would be up up above Jonathan Taylor still so um and again, I just want to say that, like, I do think it's important to look at players that, like, are in this middle tier running back. I'm not saying the Akers, Taylor, Swift types, more of the Zach Moss types, A.J. Dillon types. And that if they're they're not producing for an entire season or not producing well, they need to get moved down rankings, like, ASAP, pretty much. Like, if it's eight weeks and A.J. Dillon is not seeing the field... Like, I still, like, I'm going to actually talk about him later, and I think he's a dynasty buy. But that's because his price is so depressed, which makes sense because I'm even nervous buying him, which is, those are the type of players that typically they're, they're good buys in the sense that uh, you could get potential reward from buying them. And you do have to find that balance. So also for both Taylor and Akers, they're holds for me. I, I'm not going to pay the premium on them having a really good game. And I would buy them if a team is lower on them. Like, I've heard some people, like, even on the Dynasty Universe podcast that are lower on Cam Akers. And I, I'm personally, I think he's playing great, and I think he's going to get the workload there. So I'm not super nervous about it. But in general, that's something that you could potentially exploit. So uh, that's the main talking points I want to talk about today. So now I'm going to get into my Week 15 Dynasty Waiver Wire ads. And this is going to be Playoffs Edition Part 2. So the first guy I'm going to talk about is Lynn Bowden. This is a guy that everybody's going to be talking about. Uh, he is a running back on most platforms, actually, but it'll probably be switching to wide receiver either in the offseason or later this season, even though I think, like, MFL doesn't switch players midway through the season, so it'll probably stay running back on their site. Uh, and I would spend all of my fab if he's on a waiver wire. And he's rostered in 21% of MFL leagues, so that's a decent percentage. It's still, there's probably like 30 to 40% of leagues that he's not rostered in. 
but he did ball out for the Dolphins in Week 14. He led all the Dolphin players with seven receptions and had 15.4 PPR points to be wide receiver 23 on the week. And if you could play him at running back, he was tied at running back 13 in Week 14. Like, get him on your team's ASAP, spend all your fab. If you can trade for him with a, a non-contending team, potentially, and send, like, a, a late 2021 third for Bowden, you know, and you need that help at the flex position, I'd do it. Uh, it, it is a little risky, potentially, but still, it's one of those things that I'm pretty comfortable trying to make that move. So, uh, with Lynn Bowden, he's both an ad for contenders and retooling, rebuilding teams for me because we don't know what's going to happen in 2021 with the Dolphins. Now, with the next guy, Chad Hansen, wide receiver for the Houston Texans, he's rostered in 20% of NFL leagues. I talked about him last week, so I hope you grabbed him then. Uh, but he's someone that is more of a contender ad. He led all Texan wide receivers with seven targets and seven receptions. He did benefit from Brandon Cooks missing week 14, even though he did play really well in week 13 as well. So he's one that I could still see with a 10 PPR floor, but also with Cooks, he could miss week 15 and 16. We don't know. Uh, so with him, you know, pay about 10 to 20% of my fab, and we just never know when COVID may hit. So he's the type of player that I want to add. So with this next player, this guy is a super weird one that popped off because it's Tyron Johnson, wide receiver for the Los Angeles Chargers. He's rostered in less than 1% of NFL League, so he's available if you want him. And he he really just, in my opinion, like with Mike Williams leaving early, he just stepped up and, and was the wide receiver too on that team behind, you know, Keenan Allen. And he had six receptions for 55 yards and a touchdown to be wide receiver 19 on the week. I think he can still be a solid flex option in Week 15 if Mike Williams doesn't play, but I sure hope you have a better option than than Tyron Johnson to throw in there, you know. It's it's going to be ugly if you have to throw in Tyron Johnson just because we don't know if they're going to bring one of the rookies and use one of them or what's the exact plan. I will say, though, I would debate on adding Tyron Johnson if I'm a retooling team because he is 25 years old and you're in a 4.4140 yard dash to be the 91st percentile. And, you know, he could be one of those guys that you could put at the end of your bench. I would still prefer the two tight ends I'm going to talk about as more retooling teams here in a moment. But, you know, he's someone that you can just add 5 to 10% of your fab and uh, just sort of sit there. Or, or if you can still do trades, you know, add him and potentially try to move him. This next player is my top ad for retooling teams. About me saying this, this does not mean as a contending team to not add them. It's just saying that as a retooling team, you should pay a little bit more to get these players. And the player I'm going to talk about is Donald Parham. He's a tight end for Los Angeles Chargers. He's rostered in 7% of MFL leagues. He's an excellent ad because he has so much potential for next year. Because Hunter Henry's on a franchise tag right now, one-year deal. We could potentially see Parham as the starting tight end for the Chargers in 2021. And he's absolutely free on the waiver wire in most leagues. He, I'm going to be looking through all my leagues just to make sure he didn't slip through the cracks because I added him in all my start two tight end leagues. I added him in my tight end premium leagues. I, I added him everywhere I could because I just could see the potential. He has like a 94th percent burst score. But with that burst score and mentioning, you know, he has potential, he hasn't shown anything on the field. That doesn't really matter to me as an end of bench stash guy. Just like most people now, that's the type of guy you're looking for. Uh, so, yeah, Donald Parham. I'd add him if he's there just because we never know what's going to happen. And that's one of those things with tight end position, especially if you can find those guys like a Robert Tanya and Logan Thomas, it sets you light years above people because you can stream tight end at a higher level or you get a starter with Robert, Robert Tanya, you know, like uh, he's someone that at first I was thinking, you know, I had a, I talked about a couple times with him being more of a dynasty sell depending on how people value him. But 
Uh, I recently found out he's a restricted free agent, so that means he'll most likely stay on the Green Bay Packers for another year. And with that, that makes it to where he could potentially be above Sternberger for another year. So he's someone that I definitely lean towards holding. I'm not going to move him for cheap. I don't think that's that's what the, the thing you should do. Like, yeah, in Superflex, if you can get an early 2021 second, even a mid one, I'd move Tanyan for that. If it's a non-tight end premium, tight end premium, I'd want an early one just because he is being so efficient right now. Uh, but yeah, so the last guy that I want to mention is Kale Waring. I know, I know, I know. You've heard his name every year for like three years now. It may not be that long, but he is the tight end for the Houston Texans. And by the tight end, I mean like the third string tight end. He's rostered in 8% of NFL leagues. A lot of people hold on to him like me just because of the potential. And he just, he really hasn't done anything in 2020. He's only ran three routes. He's only played in two games and he's not hurt. So I don't know exactly what's going on with wearing. I don't know if Atkins is just way better, but in general, his measurables look pretty solid. He has a 79th percent 40 yard dash, 43rd percent speed score, 85th percent burst score, all, all sorts of just like the measurables look good, but the measurables aren't everything. Again, though, free on the waiver wire. Why not stash him at the end of your bench? If there's no positive news about wearing going into 2021, just drop him. Whatever. Who cares? And by that, I mean, like, into August. Like, if you're not hearing, like, oh, wearing's going to be the starter. Like, we were starting to hear that with Logan Thomas in, like, July. So you'll start hearing some buzz around July and August. And my goal would be to hold on to him till then. Of course, if you have too many rookie picks, you got to drop him. All right, just drop him and hope that nothing crazy happens, which, again, it's it's a coin flip. We don't know. It's probably even less than a coin flip. But, uh, you know, right now, you can spend 1% of your fab, and you'll get Kale wearing easy peasy. No worries. I don't think – I don't remember if I said anything about Donald Parham, but I'd spend, you know, if I want him, 5%. I, I would spend 5 to 10%. If I have any fab left as a, as a retooling team, I'd just spend it all on him. Why not? You know, because you're not going to need it for anybody else, really. Uh, and your fab should reset after week 16. In most leagues, that's how it works. So, yeah, there's no reason to hold off. So now I'm going to talk about 2021 offseason buy, sell, hold players. Everybody I mention right now is going to be buys. Uh, I think I talk about buys too often just because there's so much more fun to talk about. I am going to get into some sells over the next couple weeks. Um, and also, I have my episode 50 coming up here soon. So I uh, don't know what I'm going to do for that one. Probably nothing too crazy, but it's definitely cool to be uh, doing a podcast for 50 episodes almost. So first guy, quarterback, Aaron Rodgers. He's going to be 38 in 2021. I know that sounds ancient, but he's a buy. He has probably another two to three years and is more stable than most other QBs. Yes, I'm talking to you, Daniel Jones, Drew Locke, Baker Mayfield. Uh, and is he's easily the QB 11 for me in Dynasty. And he's really the beginning of like a tier two quarterback because we have these like top 10 with like the Mahomes, Kyler, Lamar Jackson, Justin Herbert, Burrow, too. That's not the exact order I have him in. Josh Allen, you know, all these guys that they make up the top 10. And then after that, it's a little bit of a wasteland with like Rodgers and then you got uh, Ryan Tannehill. And then right after that, I have Jared Goff. Like, that's my second tier of three. Obviously, you can break the first tier up into multiple tiers, but that's sort of how I like to think about it. And after those top, like, 14 guys, or actually that'd be top 13, I, I don't really love anybody else. Like, I think the guy that you can get for cheap later on is, like, Kirk Cousins. So, in general, with, with Aaron Rodgers, he has at least two to three years of stability. And honestly, I could see him playing longer than, than Tom Brady, potentially, and and I know that's crazy, you know, you're like, what, you're gonna, he's gonna play for five more years? Well, we're, we're more saying he's a buy because he can play for two years. And I know last offseason, I got too much of an ageist in me in that, the sense I was, you know, I had Aaron Rodgers and Kelsey on this team that I was like, oh, I need to blow it up. Well, 
I traded both of them, and I did not get everything I could have. If I would have just held off till the season, potentially maybe the team could have competed. Who knows? Uh, I'll have to maybe look back at the old team just to see if I overreacted. I could have. You never know. I do like the team's direction, though, with what I've done, and you know, hopefully you say that. But if you can move Daniel Jones, Drew Locker, Baker for Rodgers, or even Rodgers plus potentially, I'd do that all day. It's an easy move for me. That's, you know, we see Baker, you know, he's, he's playing relatively well. I, I know Monday night was a little bit rough, but he's playing relatively well. But I just, I don't know how much longer he has. And we have Aaron Rodgers on a MVP season when he's 37. Like, come on. So now I'm running back, I'm going to talk about A.J. Dillon. He is the Packers, uh, you know, third string running back right now. He'll be 23 in 2021. So age isn't a huge factor. But I just, I really don't see Aaron Jones returning in 2021. Also, A.J. Dillon has that second-round draft capital. Yes, every year you go away from the draft, draft capital means less and less. That's absolutely true. But still, it matters to me a little bit. It does concern me, though, that we haven't seen Dillon much in 2021. I know he's dealing with COVID, but still. It's one of those things, you know, you get a little nervous about him. You're like, yeah, I don't know how I feel. I think uh, you could move a late 2021 third in Superflex Leagues for Dillon. And... Um, it's wait till the Aaron Jones, or actually probably you'd have to make this move before Aaron Jones left. Because uh, once Aaron Jones left, everybody's going to be hyping up A.J. Dillon as potential. Or even Jamal Williams if uh, for some reason he stays, which he's a free agent as well. So we'll just see. I, I don't know what the Packers are doing. They, you know, draft a quarterback, then a running back, and now they're they're the number one seed in the NFC. And they aren't using either of those players. So very, very interesting how their their whole season has gone. Also, before we get too far into the podcast, uh, I do want to apologize to Baker Mayfield. I started talking too soon in that he's actually having a really good fantasy day today. So far, the game's not over yet. They just saw the Lamar Jackson throw to Hollywood Brown, but he has 23 PP or 23 four-point touchdown points to be a, It's like a RB10-ish, or not RB, quarterback 10-ish. So anyways, apologies, Baker Mayfield. You're, you're showing up good. I still want Aaron Rodgers over him. Uh, it, it doesn't matter. Anyways, now going to Mike Williams. He is 26. He's going to be 26 in 2021. I've really liked Williams all year. I, I did a thread at the beginning of the season. And uh, just to show, like, I, I, I made a trade for him in a league in that I did trade away Deontay Johnson and Hunter Henry. But I received Goddard, Mike Williams, and Cam Akers. And this was before the Akers breakout game. This was when everybody, including myself, was like, is Akers even the real deal at all? Which he's had two pretty decent games recently. So, you know, now it's like, yeah, this is going to be great. And sure, moving Deontay Johnson hurt. But, you know, I truly do believe that Williams can be a top 24 wide receiver, Justin Herbert, as his quarterback. We haven't seen it yet. We haven't really seen that consistency with Herbert. And I'll be curious to see if they can figure out some type of balance because they added Eckler back and the, the offense just seemed a little off recently. Uh, but he also, with like the offense in general, there is stability with having Keenan Allen, Eckler, now Mike Williams, and Herbert. And with with uh, Williams, I think that in 2021, with a full offseason with Herbert, uh, he can shine. And I bet you could move a mid to late 2021 second for Williams. And I would do that pretty comfortably, honestly. That's something that I'll be doing in a couple of leagues because I feel like his value is going to drop off a little bit. Uh, the Chargers did pick up his fifth-year option, so that means he'll be on the team in 2021. And with that, you know, it's it's time for him to prove it. If he doesn't do anything, then well, um, yeah, sorry if you traded for him, but I know I'll be trading for him. I I, I need to, man. In in my leagues, I do not have a player that I just have everywhere. And and in a way, it's sort of nice because you're not like too attached to a certain player more than another. But at the same time, I feel like it's nice just to have a player everywhere. Like the most player I had everywhere was Logan Thomas, which you know that worked out pretty well. And then I started trading him in leagues I was retooling in. 
because I, I know next year in 2021 he has potential, but still, it's one of those things that it's a very ambiguous situation. You're not exactly sure. Um, so anyways, getting onto a player that is a tight end that I think is an absolute buy everywhere that everybody will be talking about, I think, uh, not right away. I think after week 16, send some trade offers out for Blake Jarwin. He's going to be 27 in 2021. He was given at the beginning of the season a four-year, $22 million contract. He'll be the tight end for the Cowboys in 2021, and a lot of people have forgotten. And honestly, I'm sad that I didn't mention this in week 12, week 11. I know some people were on Twitter, and it's a great idea. I should have been sending out trade offers for Blake Jarwin in all my leagues. In a tight end premium league, I think you could easily send an early 2021 third for Jarwin. And I would do that because he has the potential to be better than Schultz has played, especially with Dak coming back. As of now, Schultz is the tight end 15. And Jarwin could be a top 12 tight end in 2021 for cheap. He is my top tight end by this offseason. It does depend on price. Uh, and also if you have premium versus non-premium your current tight ends. But in general, you know, you could move a player like, like, ooh, this is an interesting trade because I did recently trade for Preston Williams. But you can move Preston Williams for Blake Jarwin in a 2021 second. You know, and there you get your tight end. You get your potential to replace Preston Williams with a decent wide receiver, especially in Superflex leagues. So that may be a move I try to make. It's a start two tight end league. So we'll see how that works. But in general, Blake Jarwin is a buy all day, every day. Now to finish out the podcast, I'm going to talk about Superflex rookie hit rates. So I've created a database from 2014 to 2019. I will add 2020 when week 17 is finished because typically for, for fantasy football, we do week one to week 17 for looking at how players have played throughout the whole season. And, you know, eh, I, I don't know. I feel like week one to 16 is plenty. But at the same time, you know, we just keep it with what we're doing. I do plan on looking at point-per-game data as well. Anyways, if you're interested in checking out all the data and the po many posts that I'll be doing about it, please become a Snake the Draft Patreon member. You can get all my content for $1 a month. And that does include at least one Patreon-exclusive podcast a week. I did... Uh, sadly, missed my podcast last week. Crazy week for me, but I'm going to do two this week to make up for it. I also, you know, dropped an article this last week. So definitely trying to pump out content on the Patreon account. And in general, you know, I'm excited about this Superflex hit rate data because I haven't seen these Superflex rookie hit rates. And uh, I, I feel like it, it sounds super exciting in the sense that, oh, it's going to be this revolutionary thing, but hasn't been super different. There's been a little things here and there, and I'm going to talk about it the first round. But overall... You can't find a ton of difference. So to find the link to my Patreon, either go to my Twitter account or click on the link in the show notes. Now let's get to those first round Superflex hit rate data. So I want to begin by comparing Superflex to 1QB hit rates. To do this, I'm going to be using an older article by Met Maseka. Uh, one thing I do want to note in this article, he looked at 2010 to 2017, and it's also 1QB. Also with that 2017, that was only with one season, which... I'm trying not to do that. I'm going to have both data sets set up, but I think you should at least have two seasons for hits. I, I, I guess I get the, the idea behind it. And if anything, honestly, with this 2020 class, they're, they're probably going to hit at a higher rate than most other classes already. So maybe I will just add them straight in because if they're going to end up raising the average, then I don't, I don't really care as much. So uh, the comparison in general between the one quarterback and Superflex, it's not perfect because it's not over the same time frame, but it's the best I'm going to get for now. And, I, I may eventually go back and look at 1QB head rates. I just, I don't play any 1QB leagues, and I just, I don't know. I just don't care that much. I'm sorry, 1QB players. I, I recommend just switching to Superflex. It's just a lot more fun, and the drafts feel a lot deeper, and 
I don't know, you're just, you're giving a position more scarcity to it, which I think is just fun. So before I get too far into talking about hit rates, let's explain what a hit is. So a hit for this data, which is the same type of hits that were used for uh, the, the previous data set, is having a quarterback finish as a top 12, as well as a tight end finish as a top 12, running backs finishing as a top 24, and wide receivers finishing as a top 30. The, the reason for those numbers is uh, partly because, you know, for these players to, to quote hit, like you don't want a quarterback below top 12 really because they're all really clumped together. And in general, that's not a top-end quarterback that you want. Like, you could mention Derek Carr. He's been, like, quarterback 16 every freaking year. But you don't really want him on your team. And with tight ends, really, you could move that sucker down to tight end 8 or something like that. Like, but if you're going to tight end 12 and that's that's where you're hitting at, like, there's, oh, man, you're, you're not doing that great. You know, you need to be at least the top 5 tight end with the current landscape. Top 24 running backs is because you usually top, start two running backs. And with wide receivers top 30, um, that's just a cutoff right there. I mean, I think if you drop bumped it up to top 36, I have looked at this actually, it doesn't increase the hit rate really that much. Um, and also with this, like this is more focusing on the starters. Like, yes, you do need to have flex plays, but in general, this is setting it up to be like a, I would say even with quarterbacks, like super flex, you don't need to bump it up to top 24 quarterback or even top 18. Like you, you, you draft these players in the first and second round, especially to to hit at this high level and i looked at third and fourth and it maybe increased it slightly but there's with players like isaiah crawwell you know like like players were like really that guy started hitting more because you moved it up to tight top 30 running back like what's going on like there's nothing really spectacular or crazy by moving the line i will say uh and also if you want to look at the data and do all the number crunching yourself become a patreon i i literally give you the spreadsheet of everything i've done you can make a copy of it and do whatever you want with it so now, with the Superflex one-time hit rates, they do hit 10% higher than the one quarterback. And that's about one more player, because with 12 picks, it's about 8%. So it's a little bit more than one player compared to one QB. Now, that's just one time. That's one time in their whole career. Now, if we're talking hit rates for first-round picks with two or more hit seasons, it's again about 8%. And that's still about a one-player difference. And with these hit rates... With the first round in the Superflex sample I have, it's 57%. So it's about a coin flip. For the 1QB sample, it was 45.8%. So you'll see it's not a crazy difference with the... Actually, what's even more interesting is the 2-plus hit rate, 37% for the Superflex, 30.6%. Like I said, it's about 8% difference. So uh, with, these, with these hit rate differences, it's not spectacularly different. It's one player. Um, which I know whenever I do Superflex drafts and you draft all these quarterbacks, you feel like, oh, man, it's so much deeper. And I think if the quarterbacks do hit, then yes, it is true. But I'm going to talk about some first-round quarterbacks in a moment that like we like felt like they were going to hit. And I literally was looking back through old leagues because I had to do 2017 through 2020 data is from DLF. 2014 to 2016 is an aggregate of four leagues in their ADP because there's literally no Superflex ADP that is in that time frame. It's really crazy to me. Um, I do plan on increasing that aggregate and getting a better sample, but like literally like Sammy Watkins, someone posted like it was the third round of a startup and they were like, oh yeah, this guy shouldn't be here this late. Like this is a steal. And I'm like, man, if you could see this comment now, it'd be so funny. Um, but that's how we feel in general. Like uh, no one thinks that their player is going to be going to be not good. So, you know, as I already said, you can see Superflex doesn't really lead to a draft class being much deeper on a hit rate aspect. If anything, it's a perception thing. 
One thing I will say, though, if we look at hit rates of three or more times, which, you know, if we draft players, we don't expect them just to have two top 24 running back seasons and fall off a cliff, especially in the first round. We expect to have three, four, five times. That's how we look at it. It only happens 25% of the time, which is about three players a year. Now, I do um, think that, you know, it can help you set your expectations in Superflex Leagues. But I'm not saying necessarily to sell rookie ch- rookie picks or even sell rookie picks for, you know, cheap or just throw your thirds and deals just because you can. I'm not saying to do that because there are players that hit like third round, Terry McLaurin, Deontay Johnson, and Chase Claypool. I think we can all consider those guys hits. I don't know if they're going to hit related to these aspects. And that may be another way I look at it is I may look at past dynasty like value on maybe dynasty trade calculator or something. And if they pass a certain dynasty trade value threshold, ooh, this is a cool idea I'm actually just thinking of on the podcast, but if they pass a certain trade dynasty threshold, then they are now considered a hit based on their previous thing. And I don't know if that's going to be like if their value gets three times above their, their if you're a third-round pick or a fourth-round pick, if it goes twice above, then you're considered a hit because now you're increasing in value. Like, Gabriel Davis is an excellent example. He's not going to hit this year. He's not going to be a top-30 wide receiver. But he's someone that you want in your team, and he has value. Like, he's worth, like, a late second right now probably to most people. Maybe an early first, third, I mean. But, um, you know, it's, it's one of those things that I also think the 2020 class is already and is going to continue to change the dynasty landscape. And we could see the 2021 class doing that as well. I had Matt Hicks, who's at the FF underscore educator on the podcast, or he's going to be on the podcast in a couple days. Um, but we he, we talked earlier today because this is recorded on Monday, and he was saying how, you know, 2020 was the running back class. And, like, receivers were sort of deep, but this coming up class is wide receiver heavy and a little bit more quarterback heavy. So, and then the class after that, 2022, is even more quarterback heavy. So, um it, it ebbs and flows, and I think sometimes we think all these players are going to hit, and if one draft class, you know, it happens, then we're like, oh, well, this is a new normal. Whenever it's it's really not. It's all it's all averages. So it's really just that tale of caution, and just don't go too crazy with rookies. And I'm not saying that, like, if you're doing a retool, rebuild, to trade for rookie picks, because they do increase in value um, as the, the offseason goes on, and you can move them for players. But, you know, it's up for you to decide. And one thing I've talked about plenty of times that I'm going to continue to work on is knowing these rookies and trying to increase my my hit rates and my thought process because you know you can i think one thing that'd be a cool idea if you've been dynasty for 10 years look back at your rookie picks and see how much hit and give yourself a rough percentage on your first round second round third round fourth round hit rates and see how much different you are than the superflex data i just got you know if you have data from 2014 well if you have a superflex league from 2014 to 2020 send it my way please i've been begging for those on twitter but in general if you have a league like that even 1qb and you look back at dlf 1qb which i will say they don't even have 1qb rookie data that far back but um maybe maybe fantasy calculator but you look back and you just see how well you hit based on you know when you drafted a player maybe that's just the best way look at how well you've hit based on when you drafted a player and use these rough hit things and just see where you're at because I bet you're not that far much different because a lot of people like Mike Williams you know I say he's a buy but he was considered like really valuable going into 2019 I think it was or 20 no it's 2019 um because he's going to explode and this and that so his value increased to where it was like a late first probably in one QB leagues but they needed to do anything 
in a way. Which, again, he got the yards, not the touchdowns. And that was the narrative. And that's something that I've said. And I still think he can be good. But he never really hit. But his value increased. So, um, it's more... This is more of a numbers argument. Not necessarily a dynasty value argument. And, you know, there's always going to be misses. And I do want to real quick go through some notable misses throughout the year. So, um, one actually that is not a miss. That you may be surprised. Is actually Sammy Watkins. I know I was just talking mess. But he was wide receiver 27 in in 2014 and wide receiver 20 in 2015. He is the guy that we're talking about with two hit rates in a row. And now he's the laughing stock of fantasy. I just literally laugh. Now, quarterback, Johnny Manziel. We know that. He didn't do anything. Um, Blake Bortles is actually another example of a guy who hit twice. He actually was really good. Um, we had Derek Carr draft in the same year, and I actually would want Blake Bortles over Derek Carr. Um, one cautionary tale is Teddy Bridgewater. You know, he's coming back a little bit, but Teddy Bridgewater, um, Bishop Sankey, he's one that didn't hit. Uh, we have also, nope, he hit, he hit, um, Eric Ebron hit Trey Mason. He's the other one in the first round. So the 2014 class actually hit a decent amount, but most of these guys are just two years and they were done. Like for example, uh, Jordan Matthews, wide receiver 25, 2014, wide receiver 17, 2015 fell off a cliff. So I'm going to look into these a little bit more and write articles about, you know, putting these first rounds into like quadrants, you know, four, like 1.01 to 1.04, 1.05 to 1.08, 1.09 to 1.12 and so on and so forth. And just seeing if there's different hit rates early on, I feel like there would be, uh, but that's just the 2014 um, draft. 2015 players that did not hit, we have... Um, Marcus Mariota actually never hit, and his ADP skyrocketed. He's an example. I've talked on Twitter about these young QBs that their ADP skyrockets. He was quarterback 13 in 2016. You know, that's right next to a hit rate. I'd be curious to see where he ended up in points per game, but that's still not a hit related to our standard. Another one's Kevin White. He uh, didn't do anything. You have TJ Yeldon. He was never anything. Um, Brashad Perryman and Doriel Green Beckham. Like, those are all players that did not hit um at all in the first round and players that just hit once you have Jameis winston he had his excellent season in 2019 other than that you know he was serviceable in a super flex league if you needed him but in general he's not a crazy good hit and then we also have nelson aguilar he was wide receiver 23 in 2017 but other than that that's 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 pretty much it over players like the, the players that did hit more than once i'll go ahead and talk about him real quick tevin coleman and melvin gordon todd Gurley. And Amari Cooper, who Amari Cooper's actually had four hits out of his last um, five seasons, so he's he's done pretty well. Now I'm gonna I'm gonna stop talking so much and just say the people that have not hit in the first round: La, uh, Lequan Treadwell, Josh Doxson. This is 2016. Um, Paxton Lynch, and then Corey Coleman, Kenneth Dixon. Those are all players that did not hit at all. Uh, the the draft year still had a 58% hit rate. But then again, we had Derrick Henry who didn't hit till late, so he hit in year where year three. So would people hold him till year three? I think some people were, but I think some people moved off of him. They were just like, I can't deal with this. So you have to you have to do deal with the ups and flows. Um, now in in uh, twenty seventeen, we actually had a pretty high hit rate percentage. It was sixty six point six percent. And with that, the players that didn't hit were. Uh, Samai P. Ryan, he's actually the guy who's running on the Bengals right now. John Ross, we all know that. O.J. Howard and Mike Williams. I've talked about him plenty today. 
So those are all players that did not hit in 2017. 2018, we have Darius Geis. Oh, makes me sick. Baker Mayfield. Rashad Penny. Sony Michelle. Ronald Jones, which he was actually one away from 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 hitting, and um, I want to look at point per game because I, I think point per game may show a better picture. I'm not sure yet. I'm still working on my thought process with it. I do think Ronald Jones will hit this year. It's it's currently looking that way. I'm gonna actually double check right now just to see because um, that would definitely raise that that one time hit rate right there. And you know it sucks when people are right on the edge. You just want to give it to them, but if we're holding true, you can't. Yeah, Ronald Jones. PPR running back 12. He's going to hit this year. He'll raise the rate. Josh Rosen didn't hit. Um, and then we have Sam Darnold and Royce Freeman. All didn't hit. Which obviously Royce Freeman, you know, had the surprise of of uh, Lindsey coming in and being something. Now 2019. This is obviously not super fair to players um, just because it's only been one season. Uh, so we have Nikhil Harry. Well, okay. That one makes sense to me. Nikhil Harry. Dwayne Haskins, um, DK Metcalf, TJ Hawkinson, Noah Fant, Paris Campbell, Debo Samuel. So in general, the hit rate's pretty low right there as well. And then 2020, you know, um, I'm going to look through the draft order of players who won't hit. J.K. Dobbins is most likely not going to hit. Um, Tua is not going to hit. Joe Burrow is most likely not going to hit as well. Justin Herbert should hit. Jalen Rager will not hit. C.D. Lamb, I don't think is going to hit. Jerry Judy, I don't think is going to hit. So in general, it's going to be about a 50% hit rate year one. Um, which, that doesn't mean their value is not increasing as the season goes on. Like Cam Akers, I don't think is going to officially hit, be a top 24 running back. He may. It just depends on the next couple games go. But um, that's why I think maybe looking at, at value, you know, focusing on the value aspect of it instead of the hit rates, maybe the new frontier because dynasty we all care about the young names and and players age matters so much that's why joe burrow tua and herbert are all top 10 quarterbacks and they are for me too so um it's definitely something to think about more and it's something i plan on thinking about more and just really spending my time on it so over the next month i've already mentioned this but be digging deeper into the status and looking at point per game data as well as seeing how that affects hit rates looking at potential value data and seeing how that changes over time. Also, I plan on breaking up the first, second round into three sections, seeing how the hit rate differs. So there's definitely going to be a lot of rookie draft hit rate content coming y'all's way. I will talk about all of it on my Patreon, so please join in. Lastly, over the next two months, I will be having a lot of Devi experts coming on the podcast to talk about the 2021 rookies because it's time to really get used to those big and small names, those players that are more popular or less popular. And, you know, I'm just, in general, I'm excited for the offseason and my goals per you for a 2021 championship run. Again, I'm Matt Hicks, who his podcast with me will be dropping on, I think it'll be Wednesday. This will be dropping on Tuesday, so uh, Wednesday. So again, thank you all for support. Make sure to subscribe, rate, and review to the Snake Drop Podcast, wherever you listen to podcasts. Thank you all for tuning in. Let's be snakes this season.